Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. There are many great names in the radio industry. And tonight, Paratruth Radio gets to talk to one of them. Now Paratruth presents Riding with the Caravan to Midnight with special guest John B. Wells. What's up, folks? Welcome to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have an awesome show for you tonight. I know it's been a while since I've been on. I've been out, as you all know, for the past few weeks uh, working on a movie. Uh, that film is now pretty much finished. I am in post-production, so we got about six months ahead of us uh, in the intricate editing process. But with that said, you know, it's kind of nice to be back. And Justin, to hear your fine voice, my good sir, it's it's pretty nice i've missed the show <laughs> yeah i it's been hard doing it on my own but uh i'm glad that you're here for this one uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one for sure mm-hmm. folks if you don't know already with all the advertising we've been doing we have on a very special guest his name is john b wells and he is the host of caravan to midnight so without further ado let's go ahead and welcome john b wells Hello, gentlemen. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for being on. So, uh, what do you all want to get into today? <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get into a whole lot of things today. So, um, first off, uh, we do want to give you a chance to tell everybody kind of how you got started with uh, with radio. Well, you know, that's a uh, some of the. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those stories that it's good that somebody doesn't ask me around people who are close to me because I kind of I kind of that generally respond with oh man nobody wants to hear that story but the uh, I'll give you the short version it's um you know my dear old mother was a really quite a woman and she decided that because um her in those days I was uh, trying to be an actor you know as I placed the back of my hand up to my forehead you know and. Um, and so she said, uh, and she had a, a, a customer uh, whose husband was uh, associated with a radio station. I believe he was the um, he was the production director there. So um, she decided she wanted to do a commercial, and she wanted me to do it. So I wrote a spot for her, and and uh, went over to this uh, this station. So it was an adult contemporary station then, but it's a, it's like a cowboy channel now, country western music, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I went in, you know, I've got long hair and all this, and. Um, and the guy kind of rolled his eyes a little bit at me, and I had the script there, and he had a Studer B67 with a little counter on it. It's got the red counter actually counts in seconds. It's, it's actually a pretty good little clock, as well as a, um, you know, a, you know, a, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, you know, a place where you can you can use that to, it doubles as a uh, where am I on the tape kind of thing. Oh, you can make your notes with that. But it's, but it's also a really good clock. So he said, look, just hit this thing and just pick a spot and, uh, on, the, on, the, on this counter and, and just uh, try and get it as close to 60 as you can without going over. I'm like, okay. So he came back in about, um, I stuck my head out the door and I said, I think we're good here. And he came in and he sort of rolled his eyes when he left. But when he came back, he, he, he listened to it and then he looked at me and he got this look on his face like, I, I, I'm so sorry about the rolled eyes, but he, he didn't say anything. And uh, he went and got this fellow named uh, Ted Jones. 
he looked like uh, to me he looked like the theatrical version of an Australian gun runner of some sort. He has long red hair, you know, and he came in, he listened to it, and he looked around, and he he put a spot together, and and uh, that was that. And he gave me a cassette copy of it, and um, and said, "You could do this work." And I said, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, you could do voiceovers." Well, I knew nothing about it, so I just said, "Thank you very much." Stuck it in my pocket and left. So um, and that was Mom's spot for her boutique. Well, I played it for a buddy of mine who had actually quit high school. In fact, he's recently deceased. He, uh, he passed away uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving last year at about 4 o'clock in the morning. And um, But I'll tell you, if Mike hadn't done what he did, his name was Mike Doyle, Michael Lee Doyle. And uh, I played it for him. We were, um, we were sitting out in this old Jaguar smoking. And um, I said, listen, this is funny. Let me let me play you this thing. So I played it for him, and he looked at me, and he didn't roll his eyes. He said, let me have this for a couple of days. So he played it for uh, the man who, who would become my first boss, who is now known as Capitol Hill correspondent Jim Miklaszewski. In those days, he was James Allen Miklaszewski, and he was a bad-to-the-bone, very aggressive, you know, AM radio jock. And everybody knew him. So um, they called me up, and they said, it said, uh, we'd like for you to come and do our spec spots that we'll give to our, our salesmen, and they'll go out and they'll play these spots so the clients can hear what, what their you know brand or their store or whatever will sound like on a real no-kidding radio spot. And we'll give you $25 for each one of these, and there may be 10 or 15 of them a day. And I'm going, oh, boy, I'm in the dough, right? Well, this turned into... Doing the afternoon drive news, the spec spots, the real spots, and taking the bag with the new log that started midnight and the carts that were going to be loaded that the commercials were on uh, out to the remote transmitter site every day for the whopping sum of a dollar sixty an hour, which was minimum wage in those days. Oh, so it's like my uh, twenty-five dollars a spot didn't work out too well. Right. <laughs> well, but this was a good thing because. Um, I was still at university, and um, I didn't get, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't go far out of town. I went right up the road to uh, TCU, and I was living on the east side of Fort Worth. TCU was on the west side of Fort Worth, and took probably a minute, twenty minutes to get there. Well, I learned what I needed to learn for the business that I had no idea at the time that I was going to get into, and that was microphone technique. You know, where to hold your, how close to, to put it to your mouth and how to keep from popping and how to control your breath and, and all that. Now, with digital editing, now this stuff is a breeze. In the old days, right. we had to do it with razor blades, but right. I learned about that too. So I stayed there a year. And then this girl with really bright orange hair that Michael, now my friend Mike Doyle worked for this station, which is why he took it to Mick. And he was their chief engineer. And he was spent a lot of time out there at the remote transmitter site, which was great because you drive out to Interstate 20, which wasn't even complete in those days, and you get off on the little road, and then, and then there was this little obscure entryway into a road that went down almost a mile through through the woods, and then all of a sudden it would open up into this vista of pastures with six antennas that formed the directional signal, because this radio station was something else. I mean, it would be coming in loud and clear here, and you walk down the street two blocks, you couldn't hear it at all. It was, it was a directional pattern. It was just really kind of strange. But we'd shoot our pistols out there and everything else, have a little target practice, because, you know, nobody could hear anything. It was an unincorporated part of the uh, of the, the county. Mm-hmm. It was not incorporated into a city, so we could shoot our pistols and so we got the good shots and Mike and I would hang out up there and then do that until it got too dark to, dark to, dark to do it and, and so I got these call, this call from these guys at TM Bill Shaughnessy and Wally Warrow and they said hey come over to TM Productions this is one of the biggest jingle houses in the world and they would uh, they would make music for all these radio stations, and in fact they did these, some automated radio stations as well. And they would give people these giant reels of magnetic tape. So they wanted to use me on the on one of their channels, which was the uh, the urban thing, because they thought I sounded black or something. I don't know what the <laughs> rationale was, but it's like, yeah, maybe I'm doing a Barry White. I didn't even know who he was in those days, you know. So. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I went over there and they said, look, if, uh, if we like your audition, we'll give you $50. And if not, well, we'll send you down the road. I said, sounds, sounds good to me. So then I had a little gig. Oh, boy, 50 bucks. Well, in those days, it would actually do a lot more. I mean, you could fill right. your gas tank. Yeah. I don't know how many times for 50 bucks, a lot of them. So then this woman with the orange hair comes in and all this black eyeliner. that Mike had taken a kind of a fancy to, and he hired her as a transmitter watcher out there. And she said, listen, 
Kenny Rundle over at the zoo, which was this um, a, a famous rock station with really bad numbers. Kenny Rundle, one of the nicest guys in the world, he lost his sight and um, kind of lost touch with him. He's still around, but anyway, that's what happened to Ken. I can think of a dozen better choices if something like that happened to him, but I wouldn't really wish it on anybody. But anyway, Kenny Rundle has a um, has an opening at the zoo. It's for part time. And I need your production room so that I can make a demo tape. She goes, but I'll pay you back. I mean, like it was my production room. I'm like, yes, what can I do for you? And um, and she said, but I'll pay you back by telling you about this job opportunity, and you can pitch it too. Well, cut a long story short, I got the job. And about long about April 7th, you know, I had uh, kind of grown bored with alive and beautiful music, plus this mom-and-pop station that was literally mom-and-pop, and their son was the sales manager. It was like, I was in hell, okay? <laughs> so um, uh, they said, well, we just don't, uh, the Mr. Head Guy calls me in and, uh, and says, I don't think uh, your services will be required anymore, And but he didn't know that I already dropped this tape off. Because I finished, she finished her tape at three o'clock in the morning. I started mine right after she left at three in the morning. Finished at nine, and then drove to Dallas and dropped this thing off, and then came back to work, and I was late. Well, a couple of days later, it was like uh, this, this little dude looked like he had uh, kissed a parakeet on its bottom with his little mustache. He said, uh, "Though the old man wants to see it," so the old man let me go. And uh, he said, if I were you, I would not tell anyone that I worked for this station. And I said, well, that's a pretty safe bet, sir, because last time I told somebody, which was just a, a couple of days ago over at this FM Rocker in Dallas, that I worked at this station, the guy laughed. So I think I'll spare myself that. But I shook him by the hand. I said, thank you very much for the opportunity. Best of luck to you. See you. And I hit the road. And a week later, they hired me. And so um, it was three months of working the staff meeting from noon until two in the afternoon while the jocks, who were like the lords and ladies, would go to lunch. Then, after about two weeks of that, I would come back 12 hours later and go from 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. Saturday morning. And it was wonderful because... There were all kinds of people calling, and I would actually answer the uh, the request lines. It was so much fun. And then, of course, there were nothing but party people uh, that were calling that were up at that hour. So that was great. Well, after three months of that, they put me on uh, 10 to 2 at night, which was also quite an eye-opener, too, because, again, now the party people are still awake, and I just happened to be off the air at 2, where they're getting really sloshed and wild. So that was great. Kind of... So happily, that didn't go more than six months, and they put me in the afternoon drive, and it worked out pretty well. It was uh, after two years, we achieved a massive share of 23.8 of men 18 to 49 in the afternoon drive. And, of course, you would think somebody would say, hey, we can make some money with this guy. But instead, it scared everybody to death and made a lot of other people mad. So they told me my services were no longer required. So then I went into 25 years of continual voiceovers because the voiceover people at the ad agencies, the guys who were gonna, guys and girls who were going to hire voices, they were listening to the zoo. They were listening to me in the afternoon. And they'd gotten aware. they go, hey, why don't we get him to do the spot? And so they did. And so it got to where I was having trouble getting to my air shift on time. I mean, I'd really roll it to get there on time because I mean, my morning schedule was filling up with with, uh, with voice gigs. So about the time that there was this big plot to get rid of the zoo by this horrible consultant named Jeff Pollock. And, uh, I mean, this guy made some really idiotic decisions. And I don't mind using his name on the air. Maybe he'll sue me. I can ask him for some uh, discovery. But he won't want to do that. But... Um, he didn't do the station any favors, but there was a secret plot to just destroy the zoo, which they eventually did. About within four years after I left, the station went off the air. Uh, so it worked. But then again, the enemy station went off the air a couple of years after that. So when, it was kind of a wash. But but anyway, um, this voiceover gig went on for 25 years. And then I realized that I was getting really, really bored. 
And it wasn't because of the work. It wasn't because I wasn't making a good living. It's that I had no contact with any people, really. I wanted to work with the crew again. Oh, like there's no, okay. You know, when you get computers in there, I don't need a secretary now. I don't need an engineer now. Right. I don't need to put this stuff on reels and send it to Federal Express. I can just send them a file along with their email. I would, uh, I'd send them a link to it. I developed this little got a guy that I told him what I wanted, and he put it together. And rather than put it up on an FTP site where anybody that has access to it can see everything that everybody else is doing and steal it if they want to, they just had a link that went just to their file. And um, and so that went along for a while. And But, but it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm by myself. I feel like Elvis must have felt. He's by himself. He doesn't even have any bandmates to hang out with, you know? <laughs> so I went to Tom Owens, who was his genius program director, who had put me in to afternoon drive and had displaced this um, minor legend of a guy uh, his numbers just weren't that good you know so he put me in there and they started climbing everybody thought it was awful because they, you know oh, there's this imaginary camaraderie there I don't, I don't know it was, it was just weird <laughs> but um, but anyway I, I went to see Tom and I hadn't seen him in 20 years and he, it turns out that I didn't know this at the time I just knew that he worked for Premier Radio Networks big one Mm-hmm. So I, I got with a, a guy that I know over there, calls himself Cousin Deke. That's not his real name, that's his handle. Oh. And um, I said, where's Tom? And he goes, he's in Dallas, man. I said, what? I thought he was in San Antonio at the corporate offices. He goes, no, he's on the whatever floor it was. I don't remember, fifth, sixth one. And I said, okay. I said, I would like to see Tom. He says, well, come on over. So Deke is an interesting cat. All he has to do is come near a woman, and she becomes pregnant immediately. He's got like six kids now, and he just he just works the system beautifully. You know, the guy makes so much money; it's ridiculous. But he also images about five stations. He used to be one production director for every state for each for each station. Now you got one production director imaging like in, in Deke's case, like almost a half a dozen. Wow. So he's earning his money. And so we go through the security and he's smiling at the right people and I'm smiling at him too. You know, we go right past the locked doors and we go right past the security and go right in there. I just knocked on Tom's door. A couple of lunches later he turned me over to this other guy. And uh, I flew down to San Antonio to see him, had lunch, and the next thing, they got me a slot on Coast to Coast AM. The people at Coast to Coast did not know what they were getting. Uh, effectively, they were just told to put me on, which I'm sure that, you know, was probably not the most diplomatic move, but it worked pretty well. Yeah. I'm sure that ruffled a few feathers. Hey, who's this guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So I did one show in 05, I did nothing in 06, I did nothing in 07. I think I did either one or two shows in 08, but the one I remember was with the visionary science fiction writer Ray Bradbury himself. You know, it was like, you got to be kidding me, you know, the author of Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 451 and oh, okay. the Martian Chronicles and all that. I was just like, wow, this is amazing. So I asked for him and I got him. So um, then nothing happens in 09. But then I started getting a few in 2010, you know, just a few. And then in 11, I started calling a lot. And, and I, was, I did quite a few shows in 2011. And the years were just zipping by. It's sort of like, wow, what a long, plodding, you know, course. Right. But at the end of uh, 2011, uh, Lisa Lyons said, we would like for you to uh, take the Saturday night slot if you're interested. And I said, let me think about it. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and as they say, the rest is history. It, it worked out pretty well over there. The audience responded and they, they liked what I was doing. And, um, but they liked it a little bit too much because by all accounts, the numbers were very, very high. The same thing that happened to the zoo happened to Coast to Coast AM. The, um, the cum on Saturday nights, uh, equaled or surpassed by, by all accounts that I received. They equaled or surpassed the cum of the other six days of the week. Now, this was not helpful politically either. Mm-hmm. And so management was getting pushed into a corner where they really needed to make a decision that they did not want to make. And so they didn't. They just um, decided to cut me loose. And when that happened, I thought, okay, because I didn't have enough going on. I didn't have enough going on to satisfy my, myself. Mm-hmm. I could go on taking the money and making a living, or I could try and actually do something with my life besides just make money. I mean, that's 
believe me, I've heard the, the, the screech of the eagle, and I've also heard the gurgle of the swamp, I'd like to say. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's something to be said for making a living, for sure, because, um, you know, when Clear Channel started collapsing, which it eventually went away, and now it's iHeart Media Management, LLC, Clear right. Channel's gone. Um, when that whole thing that happened in 2008, so I didn't realize that I, that I was enduring the slings and arrows of the economic recession. I did not realize this because I wasn't tracking with that kind of data. I was hearing the talking heads on TV and all this, but it didn't really mean anything to me. I'm not in the markets. I don't care. But then I found out that um, Clear Channel had run up about $16 billion in debt and had flipped the whole company to Bain Capital which is, as you may know, is Mitt Romney's uh, associated company. Okay. And so when that happened, man, there came a point where they just quit paying people, just like for months, just nothing while, while they worked it all out. And I thought, say, things are getting really thin. Right. Because all these radio stations across the country that I had worked with, suddenly you're getting payments from one company instead of two dozen companies because Clear Channel bought virtually everything that was available out there. Mm-hmm. I think they had certainly 1,200 stations and maybe more. So that didn't work out too good. So 2009 was a little bit strange. And um, so I just went back out to L.A. and um, and just took it easy for a few months and just um, just just kind of tried to rethink everything. And then... Here comes coast to coast. They start calling in 2010. So it's like, okay, let's do this thing. Right. Well, after I left coast to coast, like five or six days later, I left on the 28th. My last show was on the 25th of January, 2014. I got the word that uh, my tenure with them was over with on Tuesday the 28th. And on the 3rd of February, we were up and rolling. And it was a wild careening takeoff. I mean, you could hear beer trucks rolling by and everything else because we didn't have time to get our studio together at all, you know. We had a lot of tech to sort out and everything else. And then on top of that, I had generated enough heat with the broadcast over coast to coast that we immediately began being messed with electronically. And at first, we didn't really believe it. But in speaking with some of the guys in the technical department at uh, Premier, I mean, what are the chances of blowing two ISDN cards in less than six months? It's impossible. But um, And I said, I'm getting all kinds of crazy stuff on the computer and the email and all of this. He got back to me a couple of days. He said, there's definitely an external influence being exerted on your your apparatus over there. I said, okay. So anyway, we put a bunch of tech in place to kind of minimize, minimize that and went forward. And now we're in 144 countries. And um, the membership has grown and grown and grown, and people are responding to it well, and it's the best job I ever had. It really is. Because you can say what you want, and you can bring people on who can say what they want, and I'm not going to argue with them. I mean, I may challenge them on a point or two, but they get to say what they got to say. They don't have the host you know, going to a break or a phone call just about the moment that they're, you know, about to, you know, make a point or, you know, tell you the meaning of life you right. know, after <laughs> mm-hmm. n- numerous consultations with the Dalai Lama and others, including the UFO guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that that's the story. I wish it'd taken a little bit less time to tell you about it, but um, no, that's fine. But it, it, it's been an incredible journey for me, and and I got to tell you. I would be completely remiss if I did not tell you this. On November the 16th, 2009, I crashed a motorcycle at about 70 miles an hour, just dropped it. The next time you're in your car at about 70 miles an hour, just imagine just unbuckling your safety belt and just jumping out of the car, because that's effectively what happened. And when that happened, I only thought that I was a, um, a Christ believer and a Christian, but when that happened... What I experienced during the course of this is like tumbling down the freeway at rush hour on a Monday at about 10 o'clock in the morning was, it was like being shown your own death and then being restored to life. And it was the beginning of a two-year epiphany that has really not stopped since. Yeah. And I can tell you that this program, as well as my life, is, and this is not like, this not crashed everything. I've been slammed into barns by unbroken horses. Firearms have gone off, lead flying around, stuff blowing up, all kinds of stuff. And I've had numerous opportunities to get rubbed out, but none of them were quite like this. And it was almost like, let me show you something, pal. 
you're dead. <laughs> now look, you're not dead. You understand? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced you fully understand. Come with me, Junior. <laughs> whoa, 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 where are we going? We're going to the desert for a while, and we did. And I tell this story a lot of times. And I tell it in exactly the same way because um, because that that's what happened. And it's funny when you are prepared to open your mind and your heart and just listen, just let go of yourself and listen. You'll be amazed what comes into your head, stuff that you couldn't you couldn't make this stuff up if you had a week to work on it. Right. And more than that, you'll find it very difficult to repeat the things verbatim that you hear in your head, but you know that it's not you talking. And you'll question yourself as like, Okay, come on, am I going nuts? I mean, is this is this you talking to me or is this me talking to me? But you will get the answer to that question. And um I cannot imagine that I would ever feel any differently about uh, about this experience because it has been um, you talk about taking a taking a uh, I don't even want to flatter myself by saying a, a diamond in the rough but just for the sake of expediency you talk about taking something that looks like a dirt clod and making it into something it was like if you if you can put a, a piece of carbon uh, under enough pressure, when you let that pressure off, you got a diamond there. Right. Well, my conduct and to some degree my heart was about as black as carbon. But I got a I got a lesson and I got a mission, and I committed to that mission for better or worse. And uh, that, that's my story, gentlemen, and I have to stick with it because it is my truth, which I have lived. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to everyone, before you decide that you're agnostic and nothing is known, I have to submit to you. And uh, believe me, I'm not. Uh, there's nobody telling me to say this other than the Great One Himself, and that is, we are not here on this planet to just freelance and just do what we want and serve ourselves. We are here to serve our Creator. End of story. If you do this, and if you say, all of this stuff is yours, everything that I see is yours. This body does not belong to me. This life does not belong to me. My very next breath will be given to me by permission. There's no guarantee there's going to be a tomorrow. There's no guarantee there's going to be a next breath. I could vapor lock 10 seconds from now, and, and that'd be the end of, of our conversation here. But once you understand that none of this belongs to you and that you are owed nothing, but you, in fact, owe for your life, you're on your way to a new world. And when you get there, you won't be glad you went on that trip. You really will. You'll never be the same, and you will not want to go back to your former ways. So I don't know if you knew if you were walking into that one when you decided to talk with me, but I had to tell you that because I really feel it and I mean it, you know. Well, and that's the one thing that I actually do enjoy with with you is that you do talk your mind, and I completely get where you're coming from because both Eric and myself have been at that point in our lives as well and that's where Paratruth Radio was truly born Um, but uh, before we go any further uh, I do want to take our first break here folks you are listening to Paratruth Radio with uh, special guest John B. Wells we will be right back after Eric's random fact of the day Did you know that the blood of an octopus is blue? Neither did I. But according to factslides.com, octopi have copper-based blood instead of iron-based blood, which is why their blood is blue rather than red. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and, in turn, make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. 
head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been talking to John B. Wells about his uh, illustrious life as well as uh, Caravan to Midnight. Uh, Eric, I wanted to turn the mic over to you for a minute to to get yep. a question out to our guest here. Yeah, well, you know, when, when you look at radio... Uh, just in general, a lot of shows kind of follow similar topics. You know, like, like for us, we always cover paranormal topics. Uh, there's also other shows that will cover sports or entertainment or education or business. But the Caravan to Midnight kind of covers a very broad spectrum of topics. And one in particular that is very similar to us is, is you cover the mysterious and the, and the unexplained. Can you tell us a little bit of why you do that or what has inspired you to do such? Well, um, first of all, it's because there is no, there is nothing pithy about about uh, mainstream media. It is vacuous. It is more a vast wasteland, as television was once described. It's more a vast wasteland now than ever before. And the most interesting topics, in, in my opinion, because everybody has to kind of got to plot your own course. It's a big old ocean, and and uh, you know there aren't any corners or roundabouts, and you can go wherever you want on this ocean. Same as uh, that's why you know they equate flying airplanes with with sailing, you know, sailing ships, not necessarily motorized ones. But case can be made for that too. And when you find so much unrewarding subject matter. And you realize that you have a you have a forum where you can discuss absolutely anything that you want, then you'd be a fool not to do it because there are other people out there. You you may not know it, but you sense it that there are other people who feel the same way you do, and they would like something new. They would like to be challenged. They would they would like to. They, many of them would like to find a reason to depart from their uh, their current paradigms and and to bust into something else. Everybody really wants the truth of the matter but you're not going to get it if you're threatened by sponsors or you've got some you've got some uh, hardcore progressive up there who's uh, somehow or another has managed to get the um, the uh, directorship of the uh, station that you're at or the program that you're on and uh, and he's taken a check now he has no problem there's a lot of them out there um, you've got uh, hardcore progressives that are uh, in charge of these radio stations they'll take a check to run the so-called conservative talk show hosts, but they don't believe in any of it. And the moment that they get a chance to get rid of them, they will. The only thing that's uh, that's governing the, um, the the potential for staying or going is how are the numbers, how how's the uh, the advertising revenue, and that's it. I mean, if, if Michael Savage, for example whom I've only taken issue with on one thing, and that was when he said that if you want to combat world hunger, you start with Monsanto's golden rice. I was like, oh, my God, you're a doctor and you're saying this? You remind us, it seems like ten times per show, that you're a genius and a doctor and everything, and you're going to say this, and you're going to say, is there any guarantee you won't get cancer? Is there any guarantee? It's like, really? That's your justification for talking about taking Monsanto's food in, into your system. I don't agree with that. But virtually everything else that he says, I do agree with. I mean, he gets a little strident, a little wild with it, but he's uh, far more intelligent and far more intellectual than um, than some of the other hosts who are who are really strident out there too. And I, I won't name any more names. I think we can figure out who that might be. But um, <laughs> I'll give you a hint. World order. Okay, you got it. All right. um, but uh, the, I believe that the only reason they let Michael Savage speak. Uh, the way that he does is because he brings in huge amounts of ad revenue. But if he was saying the things that he's saying, the revenue wasn't there, he wouldn't be there, but maybe 15 more minutes. So I, I admire him for doing what he does because he was among the very first, if not the very first, to warn us about the, the peril that we are in through the Islamization of the United States, and that is happening. And it is a very, very serious problem, and it's going to get more serious as time goes by. It's not going to be a hand-holding, kumbaya kind of moment. Um, Islam is a political uh, agenda, 
and it's a political ideology, and it's based on uh, slavery, uh, murder, intimidation, and torture, uh, with the rape that goes along with it. And it is a bad to this country, and it is incompatible with Western civilization, and most certainly it is incompatible with uh, with America's philosophy, or you know what remains of it after this current crop of uh, leftists has had their way with it. So that's why we do the varied range of programs that that we uh, we do, and. Uh, we don't go into it going, well, let's look at this guy. He'll talk about Jesus. But it's amazing how many hardcore scientists, hardcore authors, when I say hardcore, I mean accomplished uh, and serious people, mm-hmm. will bring their spirituality into the debate. And that's good because um, because many people send email and uh, and write letters and so forth saying that as a result of listening to care in a minute, they have reexamined their lives and they have decided to uh, to rejoin their faith they um they've, they've gone back to they've gone back to to christianity they've gone back to god they have uh, surrendered their their um affinity for the secular world it's lost its allure for them and they have uh, they've done their best to abandon it and then go the other way and so for my part, that's like mission accomplished, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about, you know, Patrick Hatch will come on there and talk about CERN. Um, the rumor has it that they're trying to open a portal and let some of these entities in. And for a lot of people, you know, this is a real stretch. But the thing is, if you talk about paranormal, there there is nothing on earth more paranormal than the Holy Scriptures. There's, some, you know, and just recently, you know, you, you hear that uh, Christ appeared to his disciples after the crucifixion in several different places at the same time. Well, they just recently discovered a particle that can exist in several different places at the same time. So it's like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And it's like Harry Truman said, the only thing that's new in this world is the history that you don't know. And both of them, both Solomon and Mr. Truman, are entirely correct. So that's why we do it, because because it's all interconnected anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So just pick something. It's like a grid of information. Everything is related to everything else in some way. And, of course, ultimately it's related to creation. Right. And until people can tell me where they were before they became sentient beings and absolutely where they're going to be, what realm they're going to be in when they leave, well, they don't know what they're talking about. So go with what you know right. to be true. And if you bring it into your life and you go, yeah, it's, well, it's working. Well, it's not by accident that it's working. It's working because it's working. It's supposed to be working. It does work. That's why it's working is because it does work. So that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. I hope I covered it. <laughs> I believe you did. <laughs> well, and yeah. it it uh, it was a very nice surprise to, to listen to a couple of your shows and see that you do add your own religious beliefs into it because, as you said, there are so many that are afraid of doing that now. Uh, if you had to encourage people uh either to voice their opinion or voice their beliefs about things, what would you tell them? Don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear. Uh, be, be, as it says in Scripture, be slow to speak, but be quick and eager to listen. And, um, and the other part is, in as much as it depends on you, this is from Romans, I just read it on the program today when we were talking with a, uh, a man about these subjects. Um, Inasmuch as it depends on you, get along with everybody. In other words, if it's up to you to get along with people or not, then make the decision to get along with them. But if somebody, what, what is unspoken is that if someone comes against you with hostile intent, then you're going to have to deal with it. There's nothing wrong with self-defense. And when these fools talk about, you know, all of those people in the South, they just cling to their Bibles and their guns. I can't think of anything better to cling to in that order, your Bible and your firearm. Because there are people out there that want to kill you just because you have a Bible. Yeah. Now, that strikes me as just a little bit unreasonable. Yeah. Right. This is about like people, this would be about like, now if there are Christians running around going, 
kill the Muslim, he has a Quran, we must kill, 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 and then dance around like a bunch of bleeping savages <laughs> while they cut somebody's head off. Well, that'd be one thing. And all these morons out there will say, oh, well, there's a Salem witch trial. There are very few women that were, that were killed, murdered right. by these freaks. And probably what happened was they got so carried away. These were probably, I, I theorize that these were probably very hot women who turned these guys on and it probably made them think, oh, well, if she can make me hot to trot and ready to go, or horny, in other words, well, she must be evil and must be killed. Or they could have been just psychopathic killers that that, uh, that uh, really got off on um, on killing women. We know that there are people like this. Well, what's to say it wasn't Ted Bundy in a collar? Right. You know, in a, in a Puritan suit. Right. But that didn't last long. And people talk about, oh, the Crusades were the ones that started it. Read a history book and find out what happened. The only reason that the Crusades were ever launched is to reclaim land that had been stolen by, guess what, the Islamists, the Muslims from countries that were Christian. Turkey was Christian. Lebanon was Christian. Syria was Christian. All of those countries over there, with just a couple of exceptions, and I don't even know what the exceptions are at this moment. Mm-hmm. They were all Christian. But here came the head choppers, and they and they did the same thing to those countries that ISIS is doing now. And that's another story, ISIS. Oh my gosh, that's that's just. Yeah, we keep drop, we just dropped fifty tons of ammunition to the Syrian rebels. Well, guess who the Syrian rebels are? ISIS. Guess who provided ISIS with the Toyota pickup trucks to mount their Soviet-built weapons on? Oh, that's right. There were some American-built weapons that were mounted on them too. Right. What do we think Benghazi was about? Is because Ambassador. This is my theory. Ambassador Stevens knew about ISIS before any of us did. We they already let it out of the bag that that CIA trained ISIS in Jordan. And the king of Jordan flipped out when he found out that this information had gotten into the public domain. He was mad, as in so angry that he was nuts about this. But that's what it's all about. Now, the big question is, what's in it for us to destabilize that part of the world? I believe that we have, if not a Muslim himself, than someone who is deeply sympathetic to the Muslims, whether Bill Ayers wrote his book or not, that dreams for the idiotic title, Dreams from My Father. Remember the part in there where he says that if it comes right down to it, he would side with the Muslims? I mean, what, what, what kind of a person would write that into a book? Well, the same kind of a person that would say things like, I'm pretty good at killing people. Yeah. My opinion is the 25th Amendment needs to be invoked, and this person needs to be removed from office. Yeah. Before he gets a bunch of us killed, if not all of us. He's trying to start World War III with Vlad Putin right now. And uh, Senator Insane McCain, <laughs> um, hey, Vietnam was a long time ago. You got caught, you got beat up, okay. Okay, well, well that was another BS war, too. Right. So thanks for your service and all that. We feel for you. I don't think I would have been in a, wanted to be in a Viet Cong prison camp either. But to come out publicly and say, well, we don't have to shoot down the Russian planes ourselves, but we could do what we did in Afghanistan and arm some rebels and get them to shoot the planes down. It's like, this guy's a real genius, isn't he? Yeah. So he needs to be removed as well. And remember, everybody. Don't worry too much about who's in the president's office for four years or eight years. What you need to be worrying about is are these career politicians who are in Congress for 20, 30, 40 years. We need term limits on these Congress people. And we need them now because we don't affect our will. We're going to lose this country. And I'll tell you what, it's hard to kill a republic, but it's a lot harder to kill the monster you replace it with. A lot harder Absolutely. and a lot bloodier. And we better get a hold of this thing while we still can. And we are rapidly running out of time. I mean it. I agree. And it, it, uh, I mean, we knew about several terrorists such as Osama bin Laden who we trained and it just keeps rolling from there as to how many people were helping along with this the same thing with the uh, nuclear thing with Iran I gotta tell you let's roll this back to the Kennedy assassination just for this one example Okay, we were so naive as a citizenry 
that they would never be able to pull off today what they pulled off then. I'll just ask this one question. How does a, a marine radar specialist, <clears throat> excuse me, not an operator, not a technician, a radar specialist, United States Marine Corps, defect to Russia during the height of the Cold War and then come back with a Russian wife? How does that happen? Yeah. Answer, he's CIA. Lee Oswald was CIA. Huh. Bin Laden was CIA. Right. His family, the Bin Laden family, as I'm sure you know, but maybe some of your listeners don't, that's the biggest construction company in the Middle East. Friends with the Bushes. Well, John Hinckley, the guy who shot Ronald Reagan. The Hinckley family is friends with the Bushes. George H.W. Bush was director of the CIA for how long? One year. But I suspect he was CIA beginning in about 1947 when Truman signed off on it and created it. So what's happened here is when your usefulness is spent, they throw you under the bus. Right. And that's what happened to bin Laden. Bin Laden said, I didn't blow up the towers. You know, you think that raid was real? That raid wasn't real. He lives in the biggest house in that little poop hole over in Pakistan. I know nobody knows he's there, right? So then in come the SEALs. We've got two helicopters. Oh, one of them screwed up. So what? Everybody else got on the other one? (laughs) Okay. And then what? Then the SEAL team gets shot down going through a little valley there that uh, they shouldn't have been in. It was known for, for hostiles being all over the place. So they're gone. So they can't talk. And then they uh, they dump the stiff into the ocean, oh, with full Muslim honors, of course, and um, and no pictures. It's a lie. Benghazi was a lie. They made Bin Laden the fall guy because, yeah, we funded him, right? Everybody's seen Charlie Wilson's war. Yeah, let's go kill some Russians, right? Yeah. So Bin Laden puts together the Mujahideen, which actually didn't put it together. It's been around for a long time. He heads them up. He's their leader. He's CIA trained. He's CIA equipped. Got Stinger missiles. Got all that stuff. Got it all going on. And then he winds up being the fall guy, just like they tried to hang the Sony hacking on Kim Jong Un. He's looking around like, I didn't, I didn't hack Sony. What's this about me hacking Sony? <laughs> North Korea hacked Sony. Really? Why? <laughs> Some free movie passes or what? <laughs> right. then it comes out that CIA visited Sony two weeks before the so-called North Korean hacking. No movie gets made in Hollywood of any importance or any size of a budget without CIA involvement. And if you see that one called Kill the Messenger with Jeremy Renner, mm-hmm. that's about the CIA dumping all the cocaine that they got from the, uh, the, the, uh, the Contras. They didn't have any money, so they traded blow to nose candy for weapons. And then CIA took the nose candy, dumped it in L.A. It used to be known as freebasing, and then it became crack. It's a huge, They had a huge amount of it, you know, like like containers and containers full of this stuff. Got to shrink it down in size. So that's when they, they condensed it into crack, and that's what got all these people hooked because it was easier to move, it was easier to transport. You put a pound of cocaine in, in some size of a, you know, like a one of those little miniature baggies that you get some electronic parts in when you buy a little gadget or something. Right, right. So you got way less volume, you got way more power, and you can move it way quicker. And that's what they did. Well, guess what? This reporter, I can't call it his last name now, Gary something, he winds up dead with two bullet holes in his head, and they ruled it a suicide. And this, well, this is a yeah. <laughs> yeah, so your government is corrupt from the top down. The CIA runs the government, and that's all there is to it. If you don't mess around with the CIA, they will mess with you. Yeah. I mean, they're worse than KGB ever thought of being. And they got a real long reach. And talking about this stuff, frankly, is quite dangerous, I'm sure. I'm sure. But then again, you know, you got to say what you got to say. What are you going to do? Quiver like a little mouse in the corner and just say nothing when you see wrong right. happening? I mean, is that what you're going to do? And then what? Yeah. And you're going to go and face your maker one day, and he's going to go, well, so why did you quiver in the corner like a little mouse when I gave you every opportunity to serve me and maybe do some good in the world, but you didn't do it? Okay. Next. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <sighs> 
All right, folks, we are going to take our second break here. Uh, we'll be right back to Parachute Radio right after Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. Hey, Parafans. Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines. These headlines are from AlteredDimensions.net. Bizarre creature with body of buffalo and head of crocodile discovered in Thailand. Photos have appeared showing a bizarre hybrid-like creature found in Thailand this week. With scaly skin, an alligator-like head, and calf-like hooves, experts in the area are stumped. Villagers say that a genetic cross between an alligator and a water buffalo were born in the village some time ago, but died soon after birth. Could this be the same sort of genetic freak? The unidentified animal was found in High Rock, Wangan, in Thailand. Bones of Mona Lisa have been discovered under Convent Chapel in Italy. This week, historical experts believe they have found the tomb of Leonardo's model, buried under the altar of a convent in Florence, Italy. Archaeologist and art detective Silvano Vincetti exhumed several skeletons stacked on top of each other under the chapel. Carbon dating has been completed and indicate the skeleton is from the time period when Leonardo painted the masterpiece. The discovery of Mona Lisa's skeleton under a convent chapel should not be too surprising. Gerardini is believed to have moved to Florence in the late 1500s to live with her daughter, a nun. According to experts, the odds that the bones belong to Mona Lisa are extremely high. Unfortunately, the remains are fragmented and scattered, and there is no skull. The Mona Lisa painting was believed to have been painted between 1503 and 1506 in Florence, Italy, and is acclaimed as the best known, the most visited, the most written about, the most sung about, the most parodied work of art in the world. The painting's fame increased greatly when it was stolen on August 21, 1911. The day after the masterpiece was taken, Louis Barod, a painter, walked into the Louvre and went to the Salon Carré, where the Mona Lisa had been on display for five years. However, where the Mona Lisa should have stood, he found four iron pegs. Barod contacted the section head of the guards, who thought the painting was being photographed for marketing purposes. A few hours later, Barod checked back with the section head of the museum, and it was confirmed that the Mona Lisa was not with the photographers. The Louvre was closed for an entire week to aid in an investigation of the theft. French poet Guillaume Apollinaire, who had once called for the Louvre to be burnt down, came under suspicion. He was arrested and imprisoned. Apollinaire tried to implicate his friend Pablo Picasso, who was also brought in for questioning, but both were later exonerated. At the time, the painting was believed to be lost forever, and it was two years before the real thief was discovered. Louvre employee Vincenzo Perugia had stolen it by entering the building during regular hours, hiding in a broom closet, and walking out with it hidden under his coat after the museum had closed. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we are speaking with John B. Wells, the host of Caravan to Midnight. Uh, John, now, there, there's a lot of stuff obviously happening in, happening in America. And one in particular that actually happened a little while ago now is the statue of Baphomet in Detroit. What are your thoughts on this statue being presented at a time like now? 
Yeah, refresh my memory on this. What, what is this statue? I remember the story, but I don't remember specifically yeah. what the deal is about. What, what is that statue again? This, this is the statue of Baphomet, which is uh, basically the god of the satanic temple. Uh, oh, yes, of course, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the same thing of it that I do of uh, Shiva dancing out there in front of CERN. It's... Um, there are some real lunatics out there, and, um, and, and, and lunatics exist. And many of these people who, who tell you, oh, God's just a fairy tale, oh, Jesus is just like Santa Claus, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. These people who are doing this, they believe very much in God, but they have consciously chosen not to serve him. Mm-hmm. They have made that decision not to. And this is the same kind of arrogance that um, that's that's behind us, Satan's attitude, or you know, right. the, uh, the the master of the air, you know, who will appear as an angel of light and all of that. Except he's not. Right. Um, it's people. Just, it's just more perversion. Just like these parties now they're having where they actually do bloodletting, get blood on themselves and blood on each other and all of that. Mm-hmm. It, it's just exactly as was written in Scripture. There's some passage in there, and I can't quote chapter and verse on this, but, but I, I want to say that Paul wrote it. And he's saying that, okay, drink, want more drink. Drug, want more drug. Women, not enough. The men start, start doing each other. <clears throat> there's nothing different about this than, than, again, there's nothing new under the sun. So when people put up stuff like, um, you know, these satanic memorials and, and, uh, and these tributes to Satan, the, this thing with the Baphomet sitting in the chair or whatever, goat man, mm-hmm. he's got a child on each side, on each arm. That's the one you're talking about. That is. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, no, it's just, it's just flipping the finger toward the Lord. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just a pathetic gesture of impotence and the desire to reject God and embrace, uh, other like, oh, well, we don't want to do anything to the kids or anything. It's like, pfft. Whatever, yeah. You know, why don't you quit lying? Oh, that's right. right. That your stock and trade is lies. <laughs> oh, that's right. The one you worship is the father of lies, which makes you people a lot of dumbasses because <laughs> you're going along with it. You think this is going to be some sort of a party, but apparently you have failed to observe that Satan will in fact protect you all the way through the perpetration of your heinous crimes. And then, as soon as the mission is done, he will dump you like a Kleenex that's had a nose full blown into it. And that's exactly what he thinks your value is. Mm-hmm. So these are just people who have been fooled into thinking that uh, there's something cool about this, and it's not cool. Many of them probably don't know what they're playing with. Right. But many others of them do know what they're playing with, and they do it wantonly, and they do it with great glee and delight. They should keep in mind, however, that Father is watching all of this, and he's got a real long memory. So, you know, knock yourselves out. Go ahead and just um, put goat men statues all over the place. <laughs> but just keep in mind, there's going to be payback for that. Right. And you right. will know what the, what, the, what the payback is for when you receive it. And they always do. Mm-hmm. But isn't it strange that there seems to be some protective force that enables a person to, to perform multiple serial killings and do, do these things, but eventually that that cloak of, uh, of secrecy and protection is gone. And as, um, as was stated in that Scottish play, Macbeth, there they are, like naked newborn babes striding the blast, <laughs> with their backsides hanging out in the breeze, about to be, well, buzz-sawed off. And that's what happens to them, I mean, invariably, with, uh, without fail. So, it's stupid in, in, the, in the broad strokes. It, it's it's stupid. It is not conducive to life. It is not biophilia. It is not the love of life. It is more like um, necrophilia, the love of death. And some people are like that. Some people are evil. Evil does exist. Right. Father Flanagan may say, there's no such thing as a bad boy. It's like, yeah, well, you're leaving out the psychopaths that are completely possessed. Yeah, that was a great little picture. Really like that. With mm-hmm. uh, what was it, Spencer Tracy and Mickey Rooney? And that was a, a nice little morality tale. But there is such a thing as a bad boy, and we got a bunch of them in government right now. Yes. And they don't care about the people at all. And they don't care about the law either. I agree. And we should remember it. Yeah. Well, 
<clears throat> Unfortunately, we are just about out of time here, John. But before we go, I would like to give you a chance to tell everyone where they can find you and your program. Well, it's quick and easy. Do not add any numbers and do not omit any letters in the words caravan to midnight dot com. Just caravan to midnight, just the words. Not caravan and the number two or any of that. And if they will go to caravan to midnight dot com and just scroll down the page a little bit, they'll see a link that'll take them over to uh, uh, our YouTube channel and they can see a bunch of content for free. Try it out a little bit. But after that, um, we do occasionally post shows that, um, I mean, many people simply cannot afford $15 every three months, uh, $30 for six months, or $60 for a year. But I would tell you that there are almost 400 shows in archive right now, and none of them are bad. Um, you will you will find value in each and every one of them. Uh, full length music cuts, totally commercial free. We have an app for your iPhone if you use one. Uh, we have an Android app as well. You can get on your you know your little tablet, computer, or whatever. Listen to it whenever you want. A new program is posted every night at ten o'clock Central PM, and I think that you will find value in it. And know that when you join us, you become part of a worldwide initiative to actually affect change in the world. For example, there was a doctor who was recently jailed. Well, his lawyer and, uh, and wife came on the program. Two days later, he was released from jail. He'd been in there for a while. Uh -huh. A South African man, there's a South African genocide against Caucasians. You can't believe the depth of the genocide. You cannot believe it at all. They're all disarmed over there, except for the black folk, and they rent their guns and vans from the police departments. It's insane. Well, one of them needed, they're in squatter camps. So, man needed a wheelchair, and guess what? One of the caravanners got him one. Wow. And on and on and on and on. So you are part of a movement for good. It's not about giving me money. It's about changing things for the better and keeping you informed with cutting-edge guests and information that you will not get anywhere else without a whole lot of trouble. So come and join us. You'll be glad you did. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was an honor having you on. It was an honor to be on with you, uh, Eric and Justin. Thank you very much for your time and for letting me just go on and on. Cause no problem. <laughs> Lord knows I have trouble stopping the talk. But um, <laughs> I guess it's my lot in life, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, sir, you have yourself a good night. You too. God bless, brothers. Bye-bye. 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 All right, folks, that was John B. Wells. He is the host of Caravan to Midnight, an awesome show. If you haven't had the time yet to check it out, even during the show, to just check out the website, do so. There's a lot of interesting uh, information on the site. Uh, you can check out more about John himself. There's a library full of books in which they've had guests on. You name it. There's just a ton of information. He covers every topic imaginable. Uh, and that was something I was, one of the questions I'd asked earlier um, that you may have noticed. And, you know, it, it's just weird that so many shows, in fact, the majority of shows that I listen to on the, on air is either paranormal, sport, entertainment, business. It, it, it's, a, you know, it's only a select topic, but John B. Wells, he discusses anything and everything. And I mean, literally anything and everything, uh, which is actually really cool. Yeah, I you think know? that's one of the, like he was saying, you know, the mainstream media is not the truth most of the time. So he he's approaching every subject from an alternate media view. Mm -hmm. So I, I can appreciate that. And uh, definitely an awesome guy. I mean, I, I didn't really know what to expect getting him on, but uh, definitely very knowledgeable, very intelligent man and has been in the business for a long time. So um, we've got uh, a lot of great things coming up on Paratruth Radio, so keep staying tuned for that. Uh, luckily, Eric was able to join me this week. Uh, he is going to be out again uh, working yeah. on some other people's films, helping out and all that good stuff. <laughs> so uh, we do hope that uh, all of the films come to a, a good wrap for all of your friends as well as the reveal. Oh, thanks. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. 
I know I haven't really been able to talk much about the revealed since I had left, but just so everyone knows, uh, the plan is I will have a trailer up probably around Christmas time this year. So you can look forward to that and see just what exactly I've been working on. I can tell you it's been a long process already. It's been busy. It's been tough. And there's still about six months left before finally finishing the film completely. But uh, that doesn't mean I'll be gone for six months. <laughs> That's for sure. I hope not, well, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've only got a few more weeks here while I'll be gone. I do have three more movies that I'm working on over between now and the beginning of December. So I'm hoping to jump on a show here and there over the next couple of weeks. If not, then I'll catch everyone in December. And uh, if you guys missed it, uh, we uh, were on Talk Supernatural Friday at 8 p.m. So go check out that show as well. Uh, as always, you know, when we get on with Talk Supernatural or even uh, Kay Carswell from the Deception Detection Show, it's just one of those shows that you don't want to miss because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so uh, go check that out, definitely. Uh, and uh, as always, we are trying to keep it happy and fun here, guys. And John was one of those guests that uh, not only told it as it is, but but kept it funny and informative at the same time. <laughs> so um, I, that's all we got for you guys this week. So on that note, uh, that is the end for us. Uh, we will see you guys next week, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Parachutes Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, parachutesradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. Remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.